As a follow-on to last week's episode on consensual non-monogamy, I had an opportunity to interview a couple who has decided to open their marriage. The couple was very forthcoming and very open, and I'm so grateful to them for allowing me to come into their personal lives and really understand how they went about deciding to open their marriage, how they actually executed it, if you will, and then how they are faring with it today. They're super articulate and really were planful and thoughtful. And if you have any interest in either just learning about what it's like to be in an open relationship, or maybe you're entertaining it yourselves, but you're just not sure exactly which way to go, this is a must listen. It is actually quite a long episode. I decided not to edit it down because it was just so good and so filled with so much great information. I hope you will enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed doing the interview. Welcome to the Taboo to Truth podcast, unapologetic conversations about sexuality and midlife. I'm your hostess, Karen Bigman, certified life and menopause coach and sexual explorer, your trusted guide through the realms of dry vaginas, hot flashes, and the enigmatic orgasm journey. I'm here to bring the often quiet into the light, to create a safe space where no question is too awkward or taboo. Whether you're experiencing changes in libido, concerned about navigating your menopausal life, or simply seeking to understand your body better, we are going to share this journey, and it will be brave and open-hearted. And yes, it's okay to talk about it, and yes, it's okay to ask. So grab your favorite drink and put me on speaker. It's time we broke the silence. Welcome. I have uh, my guests, Gary and Britta, here today to talk to us about different um, paradigms for relationships and their relationship and how they've evolved over the years of knowing each other. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was great. I'm going to jump right in and just ask you to maybe give a little bit of an evolution of your relationship and your story, and then we can start to talk a little bit in more detail. We're high school sweethearts. We met in high school, started dating our sophomore year, and then kept dating until now, pretty much. We had one break in college that lasted like a semester. And worst semester ever. Oh, <laughs> funny. This actually speaks a little bit to the evolution of how we are is that when we went out to college, we made a deal, a couple deals. One was that we wouldn't hold each other back. So wherever we want, wherever life took us, if that was where we wanted to go, that's even if We'd that didn't, we it. weren't together, then that would be okay. And yeah. that, that was like something that we would talk about. The other part was especially when Gary went to Mississippi and I was in San Diego to play football as a big division one football player in the South. You, I was pretty sure that there would be a lot of interested ladies. And I said, Hey, we've always been together, blah, blah, blah. But if you want to explore what it's like to be with someone else, don't cheat on me. Just let me know. And I was like, that's never going to happen. And then it did happen. And then it did happen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so we, that's what initiated our first break. And there was some like ugliness in between and figuring out how to deal with that. Cause we're young. Yeah. You know. But I do think that's some, that kind of seed of being opened that there are certain parts of life that don't always look the way we are told it's supposed to look has carried us through our whole relationship. So we get back together. We eventually get married, all that kind of stuff. And we have a conversation back and forth about if we wanted to open our relationship up, not in a polyamorous way, but more like in a swinger kind of way. And Gary initiated it. And I was a hard no. Hard no. Absolutely. I was like, well, cool. That's a stupid idea. That's stupid. So hard that I would, he would bring it up and I would have a physical reaction of discomfort and nausea. Fuck no. no. And I think some of that was just a lot of deep insecurity for me. And I just knew that we weren't ready for that. Okay. He brings it up intermittently throughout the years and then just drops it. And then I start bringing it up. And I was like, okay, remember? And then he had the reaction that I had. He was like, hell no. What's the matter? I cannot do that. 
is there something wrong with us? And I was like, no, there's nothing wrong with us. I just think. And so then I was bringing it up intermittently. And, and then there was a point that we then together were ready for it. And that was like through a series of interactions Yeah, that we were at a friend's house and were, and it was just us and this other couple that we know very well. They're like extended family to us and we were partying. And so at one point, the other wife and I have our tops off because we're not necessarily shy. (laughs) And then it it started to plant a seed like, oh, that wasn't weird. And then it's not like I magically... Like her husband was magically like fucking me or something. It was all very respectful and easy. And he thought, oh, that wasn't so bad. And so it started to open a door to a world that we thought that we weren't sure and then brought it back around. One of the things, though, that I think you're missing, which was a big piece, is there's a lot of there was a lot of growing we had to do as people to be as comfortable as we are now. Right. So oh, like for sure. therapy, we went through a lot of journaling. Journaling was like my main therapy to get through all the dust and stuff in my brain to feel confident in myself and life and my own sexuality and being a husband and all those types of things that came with it. So the moment I was able to do those types of things, it was much more. It was easier for me to see that we're strong together. This is just something for us to explore that we haven't, we didn't get to because we've been together for so long when it became something that we can do together. Yeah. A fear of losing somebody that I love dearly and ruining something because that was my biggest fear is of course, sex is supposed to be fun and enjoyable and all those types of things. But mainstream tells us it's supposed to be this one way. Right. And then you start to look at it and you're like, oh, it doesn't have to be the thing that I'm fed. And so it took a lot of reprogramming and then a lot of self-actualization and understanding to realize that, oh, no, this is also really safe and it can be very enjoyable and creating a lot of closeness for us better than we could have ever imagined. But you got to work through that. And it took years for us to work through whatever the hell those like kinks were for us, not sexual kinks, but like. (laughs) Emotional <laughs> kinks Correct. to get them. choice of words. So let me just, first of all, wow, that's like such a, an expression of maturity on both your parts. And I do want to ask how old you are, because my audience tends to be a little older, if that's where I am. And the reason I really wanted to start having these conversations on the podcast had a lot to do with the fact that we are socialized to believe that relationships are, are where our goal is to find that one heterosexual partner and be with them for life and only have sex with them and only have it in, in missionary position. So that was how we were socialized. And yeah. oh, and by the way, sex is over when he ejaculates. Like that's the narrative that we learn. So right. by by opening these conversations up to possibility, that's really what this is. So it sounds like you guys really had that. But just for the audience, how old are you, if you don't mind? I just turned 38 a couple months back. Yeah. And I'm 37. So an interesting thing within the swinger world is most of our friends are older than we are. are, So it's often couples that are well-established, at least for the people that we interact with, because that's our sample size. But they're usually in their like 40s is young and then going into 50s. Mm-hmm. And usually it's couples that are a lot more well-established, yeah. which I think is part of it. Any of the younger couples that we interact with most of the time, not exclusively, but most of the time they're like us where they've been together a really long time. Mm-hmm. There's a few that we've interacted with that are uh, like maybe 10 years younger than we are. And what I find interesting is just in that that change in, I don't know if that's a full generation, but that they have a very different, they're more open sexually and have, don't have the same hangups that some of the older generations have had. And so that's been it. And they're, yeah, they have a totally different view and are a lot more comfortable. Yeah. It's funny too, because I think like for us, I think we just celebrated our 23 years together. Right. So like we're relatively young, but we've also been in a relationship that outlasted most of our parents' relationships. You know what I'm saying? And so I think for us, we tend to gravitate towards older couples because there's so much rooted. They've been in those long term relationships as well. The younger, a handful of the younger people that we've met don't have the history. So they're still working out all the kinks like we're an old couple at this point. You know what I mean? Is what we feel like, which is great. But at the same time, the 
the disconnect is also there, right? So we want to make, like, we necessarily, don't necessarily always gravitate towards older couples, but we just find ourselves in that company more often than not. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. And I, I would, I, my son and I were having this conversation. He's going to be 32 and he has a couple of friends that are together. And there's one couple he was referring to that have been together for 10 years. And I believe she was, he's several years older than her, but she's now starting to get antsy because even though they've been in this open relationship, he wants to get married and she's, I don't know if I'm ready. And I think it's almost, if you're that young, in my opinion, and I know obviously no evidence or, or, or medical training to, to state this, but I would think that you're, the, the having this secure relationship keeps you grounded, but then you're playing as opposed to how we did it was you played a lot and then you got in a secure relationship and that was exactly. where your lifelong partner is. That, that makes a lot of sense. So many questions, but let's yeah. start with get um, after it. You mentioned swinging yeah. as your form of openness because there are other ways. What does that mean exactly? And yeah, how have you had these different relationships? Yeah. So generally, I think the best way to put it is that we want friends with benefits. And those are the relationships that we cultivate. A great example is we hooked up with a woman that we had met. There's basically it's like online dating but for what they call ethical non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different ways that looks. And for us, we met this woman, we had a date with her and our style is that we meet up to see, okay, do we like you? And do we trust you enough to bring, bring you in. in this way? And you get enough of a sense from a date and then, or we do. And then she's come over and we had our, we had sex with each other. And does and, that work in both? Do you have certain yes. guidelines? Will you both go with same sex, different sex? Do you have yeah, so, Yes, I'm bisexual. And so that works out great for me. And Gary sure. is, he's straight. had her, he's straight. And so that also worked out for him. <laughs> Very well. Um, so that part, it ends up just being a lot of fun together. But mm-hmm. she's going to come over tonight. I am down for the count because I have a uterine fibroid that is very uncomfortable. And so she's just going to come over as a friend out. to watch a movie and have dinner with us. So it really is that we look for friends and with mm-hmm. those sexual benefits. And that's I'm- it. We're not looking to date somebody in a romantic way or anything like that. So does that answer your question? Yeah. But what if tonight Gary and your friend decide that they're want, they want to get intimate. Are you okay with that? I think what it comes down to is for (laughs) before even any of that stuff happens, it's a journey into this is a large part communication, right? Mm -hmm. right? So we'll sit down and we'll say, okay, they're coming over. We've also played with this person before. What are the boundaries before we even make this choice to invite them? We are very clear that she's coming over, we're hanging out, we're having dinner, we're watching a movie, and it's extremely, for the lack of a better way of saying it, vanilla, right? Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine with us, right? Because not all of this stuff is always about sexual expression, but it's also friendship, right? So for her and I, we have a very clear idea and we're very communicative with them. Hey, this is not because we don't like you or don't want to have sex with you. We also want to build a relationship that's outside of sex. So we're just going to hang out and they're like, cool. It just opens up that realm of communication. So when they're over, there's no weird tension or what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. We're very clear with what's happening and how we're actually enjoying each other's company. That's great. And you talk about something that's so important, which I guess even was the precursor to opening is this whole idea of communication. And I think when people think of any kind of openness or non-monogamy or whatever you want to call it, the idea that most I would say most people have is that this is all deviant. Right. You, you come in, you're having this wild, these wild sex parties and everybody's stripping and fucking and this whole thing. And, and that also happened, but I, I'm sure. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I know it does, but I think that, that the way you approach it in a very uh, strong and loving and communicative way is why it is successful. And talk to me before the, the first encounter that you had, or, or was that just the, the sort of organic encounter with your friends? How did you have a rule book? Did you say, okay, what happens if, what if one of you falls in love with the other person? What, how do you navigate or how did you navigate all that continuously? It was a, I am very, I'm the really emotional one in the relationship as Mm -hmm. funny as that may seem. 
I don't let the beard fool you. I'm sensitive. Not funny at uh, all. I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, an evolved so, male. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can be alpha and sensitive. But at the same time, I think what it came down to is I'm a very slow mover, right? Like I got to feel safe. I got to feel comfortable, those types of things. And so we just had a lot of conversations. What does this mean? What does this look like? What type of, we played a, I like to say we got a lot of reps in like thought ex experimenting with different types of scenarios. What would we be comfortable with? What wouldn't we be comfortable with? And so playing those out and then inching our way in. So like for our first party we got invited to, we were literally like, okay, what are we comfortable with doing here within our boundaries? And I think we actually went in not even thinking we were going to play with anybody. We were just going to be there, have a good time, have a few drinks, meet people, be in the environment, which is actually very freeing, by the way, uh, just because you're surrounded by a bunch of people that are fully self-expressed. They're not, they're not hiding those types of things. And I think that's very nice for people like us, right? And so we were just like, let's just see what happens. And we ended up playing with each other, obviously, and had a great time and just being in that environment. And then the next time we ended up going, we're like, okay, what are we comfortable with now? Are you comfortable with giving a blowjob or if I'm doing this type of thing or whatever. It just it was just like a slower inching into that just felt more comfortable. Our first, although our first encounter before we even did the parties was funny because I was, I'm a shy person when it comes to my own sexuality. I can, in my regular life, I'm very bold and abrasive and loud and I know what I want. I go all those types of things. But this side of my life, I'm just like, <laughs> the type of thing. And so we ended up meeting with a couple. They were great. It was like, it was COVID, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was COVID. And they were, we ended up having a Zoom date like this just to meet each other. And we met them on an app or whatnot. And they were great people, very easy to talk to and those types of things. And we got invited to their house for, to play. And even when we went there, we even inched ourselves in very slowly. Like we were just like very low level soft swapping more or less. And we what does were, that mean? very good. So soft swapping is like no penetration, right? So a lot oral making out those types of things, hand jobs, all that stuff, <laughs> but no penetration, no actual penetration or no anything. No dick in vagina. Yeah, none of that stuff. And we went in and we did it. And I did it. And I freaked out to be honest with you, because I was like, because it is, I'm telling you, like out of all the best drugs out there, it is a very interesting feeling having all those emotions and serotonin and all that stuff hitting you, all the dopamine hits, because it is very visually stimulating to be in that environment. And so I freaked out a little bit on the inside. <laughs> so we ended up not really playing too heavily, but it was just our first inch into all those types of things. And then we're driving home because we had no idea how we were going to react. I didn't know how I was going to react watching my wife make out with somebody else. And I'm sure you didn't know how you were going to react watching me make out with somebody else and having those things. She's much easier though. She's, this is fun. I'm like, but what if we, we ruined something? You know what I mean? <laughs> and luckily we're home or we're driving home and we're just communicating through the process. How do you feel? What's your emotional state? Yada, yada. Lo and behold, it was like two o'clock in the morning by the time we're driving home. And so we're like cross-eyed figuring it out. But the next morning we were able to have a very honest conversation about it. And we we're like, no, this, I feel good. We're good. Life's still the same. There's no feelings missing here or there and so forth. I think the fun of it all is that a lot of these people, they're not coming together to play with each other, to fall in love. I think there's a big difference, right? Like I think the regular yes. dating world from my understanding, which I didn't mm -hmm. date very much, obviously, but from what I can see from the outside is they're trying to find people that they're going to spend their life with. Yeah. I got mine. I don't, I'm not looking for that. So that is so far from my brain. I'm looking for, or we're looking for friendships that we can sexually express ourselves. They have their person. I have my person and it's just, it's more fun play. And then we're off living our lives regularly. And you bring up a really good point. I remember an old boyfriend of mine saying that he had done a threesome that his girlfriend, his old former girlfriend wanted to bring another woman in, into the room. And he said, I think every heterosexual man has a fantasy about seeing two women having sex together. And he said, once he got in there, it just wasn't that great because you're not the center of attention anymore, right? No, so it's now no, things are, you really, that could be very exciting. It could be titillating or it could be like, hey, wait a minute. Well, no. I think that's a really important thing. And and, and so was there jealousy or was it just like a weirdness of seeing seeing your partners with other people, especially because know, right? you have been together? 
jealousy. Do you know what I think for us, which I think from having these different interactions and seeing what it looks like, we've mostly seen it look very successful in the people we interact with. But occasionally, I remember there was one party where it looked like there was some conflict. There's lots of different ways it looks. But for us, I think it's more about, especially when we first started, it was making sure that we were both taken care of. And so it wasn't as much about jealousy as it was about making sure that care was handled appropriately in these very intimate situations. It's funny because sex can be so impersonal. And even in those instances, it's very personal. Yeah. And so do you know what I mean by that? Tell me and and, and tell me how it actually physically comes together, right? Yeah, like I have, I'll give an, I have some friends that when, after they broke up from a long-term relationship, they say that they go through their slut phase and they're just out having sex with all kinds of people. And it's not because they care so deeply or that they want a friendship, but at the same time, there's something, and I can also say that sometimes at these parties, I've had some guy's dick in my mouth and I can't remember his name, but at the same time, there's something very intimate and like personal about having enough trust with someone that you have this exposed act with each other right and so making yeah and so making sure in the throes of having multiple people that making sure that we're both taken care of can sometimes be tricky Mm. and I think that was sometimes the Each in the beginning, every interaction, there was one thing, at least one thing that we learned and needed to improve on to make sure we were both taken care of. And and the nice part is that for again, for the people we've interacted with, that's one of the rules is that unless everybody's happy, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Everyone has to feel comfortable with what's happening. And if that's a problem, then we don't we're not a good fit with each other. And so learning how to read each other or learning what our different securities or insecurities are, because we're very different in that regard. Very different. That it was just a different way of learning how to take care of each other. And so are you able to be in it with the person you're having sex with or or, or was that the evolution? You're worrying about each other, so you're not really in the moment with the person you're with. I think in the beginning, I feel like it was much more difficult to be as present with the person because you're thinking about a lot of things and we're still relatively new at all this stuff. We're still into, we're like what, three years in and we're still inching our way into our own comfort of all of this stuff. I've been grateful to have three ways and have sex with other women, but my wife at the moment has yet to have sex with another dude outside of like soft swapping. And so we're inching our way into that comfort zone. And so Before, I think it was much more in the head. Now we can try to just be more present. I think it just comes down to the initial like boundary setting so that and just having the trust that like, hey, if I'm setting, if we're setting these boundaries together that I'm trusting, you're going to honor those things. And you have to have a strong sense of trust in your partner to let that shit go when you're in the moment, right? You have to trust that she's when she's off in the room, you're trusting that she's going to honor your relationship and the boundaries that you set. And if you can do that, a lot more fun, <laughs> right? You're not overthinking things because you trust your partner and just let them have fun. Some of it too is as we we weren't sure. For me, I was like, I know that I find women attractive and I've made out with women like college, high school, whatever, but I really wasn't sure because I had been so monogamous that I didn't consider any other options that I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to be if I have a pussy in my face. Am I like we have a friend she's like, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. And that's how I knew I was like, oh, I'm pretty straight. And right. I'm like, oh, I wonder what my response is gonna be. And so some of it has been like, oh, I don't know. We'll find out. Like, okay, how are you gonna be if I'm kissing another person? How are you gonna be when how am I gonna be when you have sex with another person? Oh, actually, I think it's really hot. So we have no problem. Yeah. So there's a little bit of check and see Mm -hmm. that and we're really honest with whoever we're with. If something's new for us, that it's new. And so they also often take a lot of care to be like, are and we check with each other. Are we all okay? Yeah. 
There's a bit of leap. There's a leap of faith, though, I think you, that you have to take, right? Because there's a lot of unknowns in these types of situations. You can play all the thought experiments in your brain right. about different <laughs> scenarios and all those types of things and think you're going to react one way. And then the act actually happens and you're like, that's not cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm not liking this or whatnot. Luckily, we haven't really gotten to that in that phase. We've been pretty good but that was one of my bigger fears right because it's i don't know how i'm going to react to any of this type of stuff i don't know if i'm going to start feeling a different way if i'm watching you have sex with somebody else that's like another male like how will i view you from that perspective and my brain plays worst case scenarios all the fucking time because i'm trying to mitigate my own security but at the same time it's i don't know and i don't want to limit her self-expression because of my own insecurity so i think we just have to say, you know what, I'm at a state where I'm comfortable with myself and my security to let you do, not let you, but to have you express that side of yourself and then be brave enough to deal with whatever comes of that. And so we've had those conversations. We've had those, that, those, that time. And I think inching it in is nice, right? Because I think if we just went full bore, Whew, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what would have happened. But I think because we've inched ourselves in and you get you get secure with this and then a little bit of that and then a little bit of this, who it makes it a lot easier now down the line as these things are starting to come up. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That, that's really great. And now what has happened with your sex life? Just the two of you. Do you still have Ooh. sex just with each other? Is it better or worse? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what's nice about it is because we've been having sex since we were 16. You know what I mean? And I think one of the fun things for me, I can't speak for you, babe, but like the being, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Like seeing all these different versions of what sex could be, spankings and toys and all these different elements that like I didn't necessarily gravitate towards. But now because we're in them and I see that she gets excited about certain things, and I'm just like, cool, let's bring that into our own sex life. Let's try some of those things out. And because of that, it's opened up a lot of our expression in the room, making it a lot more fun other than the goddamn missionary position. Right. I think something else, too, is that I don't know what this is exactly. I'm sure there's some psychology that explains it. But by pushing the boundaries of our trust and communication, it's deepened the quality of our sex together. Yeah. And that's been really interesting and it's made it a lot big. There's a, it reinvigorated, like we, our sex life was fine before we enjoyed it, yeah, I loved it, but it reinvigorated something between us that elevated our sex lives together. And then the other part is that it wasn't just, oh, monkey see monkey do. Oh, I saw someone do that. So now we're going to do that. But it opened our, it was like opening Pandora's box. Oh, there's sex workshops where you can learn about different things oh cool i don't even know we signed up for an online workshop called primal play we don't even know what the fuck that is but it sounded cool Sounds fun and it's like a low barrier to entry so it's, oh let's explore that or like i just we just got done taking a class an online class for yoni massages right trying to relax but still have it be sensual and pleasurable that type of thing i wanted to understand her anatomy better so that i can be a better pleaser that way right so cool, let's try the class out and let's see what happens. You yeah. Know? And then in the process, I learned so, because I didn't get any sex ed about how to turn <laughs> myself on and how. This is to, how babies are made. Done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, don't did. get STDs. Here's <laughs> what a period is. Yeah. This is what contraception is. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. so many women, it's taken me a long time to figure out different ways for me to orgasm and to have and outside of a vibrator and like that class I learned so much and then now my sex life is now just for my own personal experiences elevated he's he knows how to turn me on more and it's created all this great stuff that it was like a domino that then unleashed Rippled a bunch out. of stuff it, it really comes down to communication because that's you became the, better communicators at the end of the day yeah. in a relationship, that's the key. And then good sex is about communicating. And the more you know your own body, the better you can tell each other what you like and what you don't like and what makes you feel good. So it makes yeah. complete sense. It was such a, it's such yeah. an interesting thing because as a man, you, you learned sex through porn. 
in a lot of ways, right? And it's always like you're hiding it and all that stuff. And then you start to realize, oh, I'm learning sex through porn in this one direction. And then you start to realize that it pinholes you into a very narrow-minded focus of what actual sex is. And I think doing stuff like this has been able to like open up a lot more to what it actually can be. And so my hope is to please her as much as she pleases me. It's not just about myself, right? It's about the collective right. group and the communication that comes with that. And it's funny to me because it's, we have friends that are dating or just in their early stages or they're, they haven't done the relationship work that we've done over the years, not to knock the relationship by any means, but they're like, how do I say this thing? This thing really bothers me. And it's very like low bar to me, but I'm just like, why don't you just say that? I can't just say that. I'm like, why couldn't you? Because a lot of these types of like things, just because we're doing it in our sex life, doesn't mean we can't transition it into our regular life. Right. They, they come twofold at the end of the day, because you have to be brave enough to say the thing that bothers you or the thing you're afraid to say in right. order to actually have a quality relationship with somebody that you actually care about. And that goes not even just with, with a, like a love partner, right? Like an intimate partner that goes with friends, that goes with family. And I, it goes with coworkers. To me, it just permeated through so much of my own like communication style out of the box that I've been very grateful to have now. Yeah. As someone who was married for 24 years and afraid to talk to each other, that, that didn't work with just, and you hold wow. it in and you hold it in, and you hold it in and he, he should know, she should know, or, or no, we just don't, don't talk about it. And yeah. it is, it's, it's, I, I was saying I was a divorce coach years ago and I would say the two things, if you can talk about sex and money, your relationship has a good chance of making it. If you can't talk about those, because those are the two hardest topics to really talk about. Um, so, yeah. I'm just looking if I have any other questions. I had a couple more things. You talked a little bit about different t techniques or play that, that you encountered. Does it necessarily mean that if you are going to open that you're going to do go into different kinks or fetishes? Or I, I think that's another misconception. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's not entirely true. I think what's funny about it is like, um, we went to a party a couple of parties ago, like early last year. And we, she came to find out that she really likes being spanked and like legitimately spanked. That is not something that I, I have a proclivity to do or want to do, but it gives her an opportunity to express that. And the irony to me was thinking what you were just saying was like, oh shit, is she's going to want to do more of that stuff? Do I have to be that person? Do I have to learn how to do that type of stuff now? Because that's what she wants. And I'm like, <laughs> no, because I would much rather her get that expressed through somebody that actually knows what they're doing, can give her that pleasure better than I could. Would I like to be somebody that could do that? Of course I would. I would. I want to be everything. But the reality of a good relationship is you can't be everything. And to which end, but she's also not running off being like, oh, I'm going to go get spanked. See you later. Bye. You know what I mean? It's not something that she like completely delved into, but it's something that she's explored. And so some, it, I think it also depends on your personality, right? Some people will say, fuck, I fucking love this and go balls deep into the entire thing. I can't speak for you too much, but I don't think you want to do that. I think I, so I have many thoughts. So let me collect myself. <laughs> One is that in regards to your question, that all swinging does not mean for this consensual non-monogamy does not mean that you're going deep into the kink archives. Mm -hmm. And just there's lots of different styles. I think of it like flavors of ice cream. Mm -hmm. And so some people like more vanilla style ice cream. And so that can just look like pretty traditional sensual sex. And so that gets communicated one way or the other. And everybody has their favorite flavor. But oftentimes nobody only eats that one flavor. Some people do, but most people try different flavors and then have their good old standbys. And I think that's been our experience. Yeah, the getting into the BDSM world is something that I've enjoyed experiencing, but that's more like a unique flavor I like sometimes as opposed mm -hmm. to my good old standby. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. And I would imagine people who open their relationships are more open to trying new things as well. Yeah. And so maybe that is where that we imagine that 
they're going into dungeons on the first try. And it's yeah. not all dungeons, right? Like the thing right. is well, a lot that's of the other thing. Are, yeah. Right. Because, yeah, that's not the only because type it's funny of- to me. <laughs> we, like our friend group will talk about this because there is a there is a large stigma in media that stipulates if you're a swinger, this is how you are. And it's no, that's not entirely true. That is a dramatized version of what it is. It's not reality of what it is. I'm sure, obviously, it's on a spectrum. There are those. And we've met those people before also. But there's also the other side of the pendulum where it's like people are more regular and simple and it's nothing as romanticized as Hollywood would make it seem. So you have to really disconnect what your bias is from what you've been told or what you've seen through media versus what it actually is. Because we miss out on some really great opportunity and people and connection that way, in my opinion. And how you mentioned your friend group, are all your friends in similar relationships or, and, and do those no. that aren't? Do- <laughs> so we have groups, right? They You're judge strange. you? Like that? No. For the most, most part, part no. For the most part, no. No. I think some- They may not understand it. Yeah. I think we have friends that they're not surprised. <laughs> they're like, of course you are. Yeah. But right. that doesn't mean that they enjoy talking. We have most of our friends are cool with it. And some people get really squirmy. Like we have some friends that come from a more conservative background and they're just not comfortable talking about that. Or just talking all. about sex in general, though, by yeah. the way, not just this particular lifestyle. And so they don't quite understand it, but they don't like it hasn't affected our relationship mm-hmm. with them. Meaning they were just like, oh, okay. Yeah, we still travel with them and camp with them and do all the okay. regular friend things, the yeah. vanilla friend things and stuff, which so hasn't really hurt too bad. Yeah, we have some friends where one of the persons is interested in delving into that world and the other mm-hmm. one isn't. Or that we have some single friends that are like, wait, you can just find partners who are interested in this? That's a thing? And, we're like, and yep. so it's been interesting to share what we've learned and see how some people take it and what that opens for them or not. So we tend to, though, like in a lot of ways, separate our regular friends that we've had for years before we jumped in the lifestyle to our other friends that are more lifestyle oriented. It's not necessarily because we don't want to intermingle them. It's just easier (laughs) i think some of it too is you know what when we got married i was so excited because we've been together for so long so we have friends from college high school elementary school yeah and so we were excited to have all these people come together not all these people match no like the amount of clicks were really funny to watch (laughs) yeah and i didn't as a younger person i didn't foresee that happening i just thought we love all these people. They're all great. They're all going to love each other. No, that's not how it works. Not right? at all. And so what we realized is that for a lot of our swinger friends, that they are wonderful people, but not necessarily a good match for some of our other friends. Right. So. The funny part is. We don't keep them separate because we're ashamed. It's more like we're thoughtful about bringing people together. Who that are going to enjoy connect. each other's Yeah, company. yeah, yeah. They could read people. You you really do. And I think if they didn't know that these friends were swingy lifestyle friends, they would probably get along because the type of people that we, yeah, I think they will. Okay. To a degree. There's certain ones, maybe not, but to a degree, I think they would get along fine. We had a backyard barbecue. It'd be fine. It's not like cats and dogs, but to which end, it was one of the, just to pull it back a little bit when you were asking about us getting into this thing. The funny part, one of our funny stories that we we tend to tell people is there's an animated movie called Sausage Party. And at the very end of this damn movie, there's a giant orgy with all these food products from a store and it's hilarious and what have you. And Bert and I are sitting in the theater and she looks over at me. She's wouldn't it be fun if we could just fuck all of our friends? I forgot that was actually like my first a, a silly, very silly animated movie was how I at first like unlocked mm. what swinging could look like in a way that would make me happy and fun. Right. Because the, pre- right. the end of the movie, all these different forms of grocery store items (laughs) have sex with one another and there were different couples that were paired and at the end of it they're still a couple and it was just like a different expression of friendship Mm -hmm. like we like most people love having sex in some capacity and so you're just sharing that in different ways with people that you already care about and i was like oh my gosh that's so cool 
<laughs> that's my fantasy. Mm -hmm. yeah. And ironically, she brings this up with our friends, our regular friends, when we first started. And most of them are just like, what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah, they're going to be sneaking in my room tonight. Yeah, 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 literally. <laughs> yeah, one of them, his, the girlfriend told me she's so-and-so is convinced that you're trying to fuck him. And and, and we've had a huge, the, his, a the girlfriend laugh. and I had a huge laugh about it because she's a lot more comfortable in that world. And so realized that was very absurd. <laughs> so but, yeah, you get mixed messages from, or uh, mixed responses. So to which end, it started to become like, okay, we're not going to have the fantasy of fucking our longtime friends that we've had. So we got to go make new friends to go fuck, you know? And so that was the journey. Now mm -hmm. it's just finding and connecting and cultivating that group of friends and being able to fuck them, you know, have that intimacy. Um, two separate things I want to ask you. The, the first one I, I, we talked a little bit about when we met um, was how you make sure that you are safe um, from STDs, STIs, oh, anything um, like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of, one of the things that we have before we play with anyone and before we even meet them for a date is that we have a pretty frank conversation asking about what their safe sex practices are, how yeah. often they get tested. Like condoms are an absolute must in condom. Like if we're using toys and it's, if I'm using my own toy, I don't need a condom. But if I'm using my toy on somebody else, like you condom that shit up. And so we actually were, we had a woman over and we had some strap on play. And we were joking that you have like safe sex condom math. Like, wait, who used that last? Do we need to change the condom? That kind of stuff. That's one of them. And then for the parties that we go to, they're small group parties cultivated by a, tr a good trusted friend of ours who also has these same safe sex practice talks with people. And then before the parties, people have to get tested mm -hmm. so that there's no absolute guarantee for any of it. But right. generally, that provides a pretty high level of security. What? And there's also just paying attention to if something doesn't feel right with somebody, then it isn't right. Yeah. So if we're questioning anything, we don't interact with that person because it's yeah. not worth the risk. Yeah, you learn a lot of the conversation up front is very clear and responses actually reveal red flags if early on, if we even want to communicate further with a person or a couple, that type of thing. So how they look at safe sex and those types of things is very telling to the type of person that we may get into encountering. Right. And, yeah. And also their comfort with talking about it. Exactly. Because if they're not, if they're not comfortable talking about it, no way. No way. Like, that, because what are the they doing with thing. other people? Exactly. Or if yeah. there's a hesitation, there's a lot of checks and balances for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We ended up doing like STD tests and stuff like that. We, <laughs> we ended up having a conversation with our doctor just to be like, hey, this is the lifestyle we're going into. And yada yada you get the okay type of thing which I, we have a lot of and fun <laughs> talking about that which we thought was really interesting with the doctor but bracking that aside one of the things that's really interesting is a lot of people just think oh i got an std test i can go fucking whatever and i'm good for a while it's, you really have to be responsible right if you're going to have sex with somebody right after taking an std test and you're you're not using condoms or whatever those types of things it's you got to wait couple of weeks before you go take another one just to see if anything presented itself you can't just yeah. go back to back and even still 100 percent exactly right so you got to be very conscientious while you're having sex especially in this like environment that like if we play with a partner if a woman comes over and we have a great time and all those types of things and we're going to go to a party in a couple of months we're going to wait a month before we play with anybody else other than each other test to make sure that we're all in the clear before we go to a party that's like a giant orgy you know what i mean because you don't know what's going to present previous prior to that encounter and so forth luckily we have each other so it's we're doing it with each other it's fine but we don't want to bring it out to anybody else you know what i mean right type of situation right. if there was any of those types of things but a lot of people i just i was realizing when i was talking to the doctor she was trying to like really hit us over the head with that concept and i'm thinking to myself i'm like why does she think we're stupid or something but it dawned on me that I'm like, she's really belaying this point because a lot of people don't understand that. And I, I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I asked any partner to show me their test before I get into bed with them. And I had someone I was dating last year and he 
slept with a woman and then on their next encounter, they were about to have sex again. And she said, oh, I just have somebody to tell you that I, I have herpes or I may just be too positive. And he freaked out and that she hadn't told him. And then he went to the doctor and they said it's four to six months before you may show up. So you have to wait that long be to be able to have unprotected sex again. Yeah, that, that and I know people in, in my age group, like people don't think it's a thing. And I say, if he won't give you that or she won't do the test, then you don't want to sleep with them because there's a reason they don't want to do it. I mean, that, well, that's the first how that permeates through the rest of their life. If they're afraid of saying this thing that's extremely important, yeah. right? What else are they not willing to express? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Last couple of questions. Do you have particular places that you mentioned some places where you actually met the people that you are now playing with? How, what's the best uh, way for people to fit, to find that should they decide they like want Like if they wanted to jump into it? Yeah. And jump into the lifestyle. The fastest way, in my opinion, is Reddit. There's a lot of really great Reddit threads and communities that people, you know, post a lot of different things. That's where I ended up starting. I'm the type of person, like when we made this choice, I was just like, I just dive in and learn as much as I possibly can, right? My security blanket, the more knowledge I have, the more comfortable I am going forward with things. And for me, it's Reddit was a really good place to start because you're reading the great stories and you're reading the fucking horror stories. Jesus Christ. Some of these people, I swear to God, poor things. So you get a good gambit across that stuff. But then when we were really ready to go, look, there's a lot of sites. There's Cassidy.com, which is. That's K-A-S. I-D-I-E? Uh, yeah, dot com. Okay, I'll put a um, link to it in my show notes. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, we encourage, pay the 20 bucks a month, you get better opportunity to meet people and stuff like that. Just communication is better if you're like a paid subscriber. But it's, I guess for lack of a better way of expressing, it's like, you, it's like Facebook, right? For couples and singles that are just looking for like-minded people. There's events that they post up, there's, community there also it's a very clunky website it's not like the best but it's the best one that's out there that we've seen the other things that i think a lot of people are gravitating towards and at least in our circle has been field yeah uh, the I've field heard of app. how do you spell that f-e-l-d and we we haven't had much luck on field per se early on we found uh, a very great couple through Cassidy and we were just surfing through the the site and people just show up when they're when you're new but says there's new people to see so we ended up stumbling across this couple site they were in Long Beach which was great and just their profile alone just seemed to suit who we were it was very funny and informative they just they seemed like the right people we knew that we weren't part of their like their play style but I don't mind asking questions and so we emailed them saying hey we're fucking new at all this stuff, would love to sit down with you and pick your brain if you're up for it. And they said, yeah, come over and we'll hang out for an hour. We'll chat. Six hours later, we all became really good friends at that time. And so a lot of the people that we meet now is just because we started becoming friends with them, get invited to their kind of curated parties. Okay. And so oh, that environment's been nice because we meet people there and then a handful of those people will bring into our house outside of the parties. So we don't necessarily meet too heavily through the apps. I think it's gone. We've gone in cycles. And I, from talking to our friends that do traditional online dating, it's very similar. You meet a lot of people that do not work mm -hmm. whatsoever. And then you get lucky. Yeah, that's very true. And it's like the couple we met this last Saturday. We got very lucky. Yes, it's a lot. Again, it's a lot like online dating. So we've gone through phases where if life's been really stressful, we're not dealing with it. At all. And then if life's more calm, Gary manages a lot of, he, he screens a lot of the people. Oh, yeah. And then goes through and then, and sometimes you get lucky. We actually found someone through Bumble, which I was surprised about, but Bumble has... You can list I, something along like mm. the consensual non-monogamy. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen couples yeah. on there occasionally when I, and I like look for men only, but occasionally you'll see we're a couple looking for a third. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we actually connected with someone through there too. So there's a lot of different avenues and a few different apps and you just hope for the best. Try them all and <laughs> fingers and toes crossed. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Um, 
Last, lastly, top three things um, any couple should know before they embark on opening their relationship. Um, it's an easy one for me. Okay, go. I think you really got to be secure or willing to um, be introspective enough to understand what you're secure with and what you're insecure with. Like the moment you can really start to see that because insecurities come and go. But you have to be willing to see how they show up for you and then have mm -hmm. a way to work through them when they actually show up, right? That's not just exploding or receding, all those types of things. So for me, like having a very clear grasp of what yourself, right? And then outside of that communication, right? Being able to communicate those feelings when they come up and those types of things more than anything else. And then be better at reading people, trusting your gut because you're going to be in a lot of different situations that like sex is on the table, but you really have to be honest with yourself is, is this the right person or is this the right couple? Does this feel safe? Does this feel people, you, you don't want to just jump into something. You got to be very good at uh, seeing the flags as they come up. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, Britta, anything to add? <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's along the lines of what Gary is saying mm -hmm. is it's being open to have uncomfortable conversations with yourself mm -hmm. and then being willing to have those unco uncomfortable conversations, not just with your partner, if you're doing it as a partner, but also with whoever you're interacting with Yeah, to be okay to say, sorry, I'm not interested or have that safe sex conversation or I don't like it this way. Can you try like that? You know? right, right. Which is yeah. hard enough in, in, in one, one part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. But that you, it seems from our experience of talking with others, if you can do that, you can have a lot of really amazing experiences. Wow. This was fantastic. I learned so much. I learned so much for your time. Of course. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I, I imagine this episode's going to go off the charts. Because everybody wants to know. Thanks for joining me on the Taboo to Truth podcast, where I'm spicing up midlife one episode at a time. If you've been enjoying the sizzle, why not turn up the heat by giving me a scorching five-star rating and leaving a steamy review? It's the best way to help others discover pleasure in their sex life. So don't be shy. Show me some love and keep the midlife adventure alive. And until next time, Grab your favorite drink and put me on speaker. It's time we broke the silence.